be Ephesians 2, 1. And we're just going to get right into it, okay? Ephesians 2, 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following in the course of this world, following in the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Pray with me as I pray. Father God, I thank you for the word that has just been spoken right now, is professed in your gospel right there in Ephesians 2, Lord. We were dead in our trespasses. You saved us. Your son lived the perfect life for us so that because we couldn't do it. But God, you had a plan, and your plan came to fruition. And now we get to speak of your word, we get to profess your word, we get to profess your acts of kindness and love to this lost and dying world, Lord. God, I I just lift up right now, I pray that you take your servant out of this and that the words coming out of my mouth are yours, Lord. God, I pray that uh, you open hearts today, that you open minds, and those that are already open, that you would just reveal more to them um, in your rich mercies, Lord, in the words that are spoken. I lift this all up to you in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, go and have a seat. Welcome. Yes, I don't look like Doug. I'm a little bit bigger, a little more facial hair. Doug is, today he is flying back from Arkansas with his family. They had a wedding in Arkansas with one of Kylie's friends. So that's why he's not here today. And I've been called up to the big leagues and... It's been a month of preparing, so probably a month and a half of preparing. So, um, my name is Brian. I have the pleasure to serve as one of the elders here at Cross Train. Um, and today, if let me uh, emphasize real quick, if you don't have a Bible, we're going to be in it uh, today. So, if you need a Bible, please raise your hand. We have plenty in the back, um, and someone, I will find someone, they will jump up and grab them for you. I saw a hand go up. Scott, okay. So you got you got Bible, Scott. Um, <laughs> all right. So we just opened up in Ephesians two, and there's a part of me that said, "I can just read this passage and be done. We can go have fellowship and have fun, order some pizzas and party, right? Because that's the good news." But it's not that easy. I I get to I get to talk, and um, again, like I said, I just pray that um, whatever I say today, that you would that it would resonate in your heart that God has changed from a heart of 
stone to art of flesh. Um, I'm going to go back real quick in the first part. I have it broken up into three um, different sections. And the first is Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, the sinfulness of man. I'm going to reread this one more time because I really want, I'm praying that it really sinks in. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. If that doesn't hit you to the core, I don't know what will. Um, and we'll get to it in. It's going to be God that hits you with that. Um, Ephesians, the first two, uh, the first two verses in Ephesians describes where the Ephesian, the Ephesian believers found themselves dead in their trespasses and walking according to the course of the world and its ruler. Who is its ruler? Satan. Then Paul explains he and those with him in Ephesians 2, 3, indicating that they were in the same spiritual predicament, indulging fleshly lust, desires. Consequently, they too were children of wrath, just like every other sinner of the world. We were dead. I was dead. Anyone here who professes Christ was dead at one point. Those who don't profess Christ now are still dead. And we are unable to do good. The good that we see in the world that people are doing that don't profess Christ, it's not good. It's filthy rags. And this is what we have to, we have to, I'm going to be on this for a little bit this morning because I really want it to sink in. And I don't think it really sinks in enough sometimes that just how dead we were. Just look back. There's, um, how do we know we were dead? I have two ways that I put down here. The first, all we have to do is look back at our past. Uh, pre-salvation, pre-God changing our heart. And I look back, and it's kind of funny, debated on telling this story, uh, but um, <laughs> so I grew up in the Catholic Church, and I attended, I went through all the sacraments, and then went off into college, and um, I'll keep this PG, I, was, I had a lot of fun in college, we'll just leave it at that. Um, I had a job, and, and I'm going to show, like, just how dead I was. I went to church, but I didn't know what church was. I didn't, sorry. I went to church. I went to, to Mass every Sunday through grade school up and through high school, and then college. No parents to show me, to make me go. I stopped going. What brought me back to church for a small time was there were some girls at church. So that's why I was going. And I did. I'm keeping this PG. My wife's looking at me and she's like, what are you going to say? So, <laughs> but that just shows my spiritual death. I wasn't going to church to hear about God. I wasn't going to, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. It's probably user error. Um, I don't know what I was, now I'm not, now I think I'm off. Okay. I'm on, okay. What was I saying? I wasn't going to hear God's word spoke. I didn't, I said that I knew God. I said that I was following Jesus. I was taking communion. I was doing everything I needed to do when I went. But it was for the wrong reasons. I was, I was fulfilling my fleshly desires to, to chase after people I shouldn't have been chasing after. And um, I was serving in death. 
I wasn't doing anything of my, I was doing everything of my own accord. I wasn't doing it of God. And that's, um, I said, I keep it PG, so that's where I'm leaving it. We, um, thank God, I, nothing ever came of relationships there. And God gave me my beautiful wife who's sitting in the back thinking, who's saying, okay, God, he's, he didn't go too deep on that one. Um, but we look at it, that's who we were. We were dead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep saying dead and enemies for a little bit here. The other thing is, the other way, the more important way to look at it is what does the Bible say? And we see in, second, in Colossians 2.13, And you were dead in your trespasses and the, circum- and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiveness of our trespasses. So, again, we see we were dead in our trespasses. Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through the one man, and death through sin, there's that death word again, and so death spread to all men because of all sin. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who, whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. In Romans 3.10 it says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. And Jesus, Jesus says himself, if you go to the red letter, because we know, is that the most important, right? I'm joking. The whole word is important. Um, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitfully above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Am I getting the point across that we were dead? I want everyone to go to Psalm 14. Open up, your word, open up your Bibles to Psalm 14. We see King David, who we all know in the books that we've read and the different passages, that he was a man after God's own heart, right? Yet, he wrote some of the most prolific psalms God put on his heart. He was direct kingly lineage to Jesus. And yet, he, he speaks of the death that he had in himself in that, let's get into it. Psalm 14, starting in verse 1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. I could stop right there. That's the truth right there. Apart from God being in me, I cannot proclaim God. But we'll keep going. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven in the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Have they no knowledge? Have they no knowledge? All the evildoers who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord? There they are in good terror. For God is with the generation of the righteous. You would shame the plans of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion when the Lord restores the fortunes of his people. Let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. We have a little foreshadowing of what's to come. We see death. We see the separation from God right there. And then we see the foreshadowing at the end of, we're going to get to the good part of the gospel in a little bit. So, I think we can all look back and see where we 
were when, before we were believers, before God called us himself. But then we also have to recognize that we're not all, because we're dead, we're not only dead, we are enemies of God. James 4, 4 says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. A friend with the, God, a friend with the world equals enemy. And how, so how do we go apart that? We live in this world right now of, it's a lost and dying world, and how easy is it for us to, as believers to fall back into that world of desiring what the flesh wants? And um, we see we see that we, we tend to go back sometimes, but we got to remember that, I'm going to get back to it, I'm going to get to it in a minute. We are enemies of God apart from God being in our hearts, right? Of God softening our hearts and revealing himself to us. Go to John 8, 39 through 47. I'm saying this, look, as we're reading this, I don't normally say put yourself in the Bible because I don't necessarily, necessarily believe we should do that, but we can see the actions of those in the Bible and reflect back on who we were and what we did before we knew Jesus. And we can put ourselves right here in this, in this passage where Jesus is speaking. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who, was told, who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God, Jesus said to them. If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He, has a, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason you do not hear them is because you are not of God. Do we take back, do we look back and see how we were enemies? Do we see the death that was in us in our past lives before Jesus, before God saved us? And um, I'm hitting this really hard and everyone's probably thinking, well, just get to the news, Johnson. Come on, what's, what's the good news? Why are you talking about all this death and enemies of God? Because we have to really understand who we are, who we were, and who we can still be at times, even though we're not, we're saved, we're, we're sealed, but we can still fall back on those old ways sometimes. And it's hard until... Until either Jesus comes back or we're called to him in death, we're still going to have these battles. And funny thing is, originally when I started this passage, when I started this study um, to present, I was, my focus was what were the three enemies of the Christian, of the believer. And it's Satan, 
the world, and the flesh. And we're battling all three constantly. And um, you can ha- we can have some debate on which is the bigger one, um, Satan, the world, or the flesh. But it's all a mishmash of all three. Our flesh, got, Satan has spun up this world into what he wants because he's the ruler of the world, right? Is that true? Yes, it's true. He's spun up, so he's placed everything, God's placed everything in order. God's sovereign over it all. But he's allowed Satan to come into this world and put his pawns where he wants them. And what we have to look at is our flesh desires what is in the world, right? So we're battling this, this, this fleshly body that wants what God does not want. And we are constantly living in this world right now where we want, to, we want that, but we know it's not good. But thank God, and we're going to get to the gospel part in a minute, God has revealed to us this, his truth and has changed our hearts and has moved us away from that, even though we still have those battles from time to time, but we can trust and fall in him. Um, so I have one question. I have a pop quiz. I'm going to call a random person in the audience. I think I'm going to go Evan. Pop quiz. You ready? Okay, sure. You look a little worried. So, what are we apart from God, Evan? What? I can't hear you. Say it loud. Death. Death. Right? Is he right? Apart from God. So, who are we apart from God, Evan? What? Enemies. Okay. Good job. You passed. So you can see me afterwards and we'll get, we'll get you a prize. So as we digress, and I'm almost there, I'm getting to the good news part. Um, I'm hitting home the, the death a lot and the enemies, but like I said, I want us to soak that in and understand. And there's always someone better that can say it better than me. And this is a, this is a, a written word from Charles Hodge, who lived from eight, 1787 to 1878. He was a Reformed Presbyterian theologian. He was a principal at Princeton University Seminary, back when Princeton was actually a Christian university. I don't think it is now. Um, I won't make any lawyer jokes right now. I don't know who's in the audience. Um, he, was a prince, he was a principal at Princeton Theological Seminary from 1851 to his death in 1878, and he wrote, another way in which the scriptures clearly teach the doctrine of original sin is to be found in the passages in which they describe the natural state of man since the fall. Men, all men, men of every nation, of every age, and of every condition are represented as spiritually dead. The natural man, man as he is by nature, is destitute of the life of God, i.e. of spiritual life. His understanding is darkness, so that he does not know or receive the things of God. He is not susceptible of impression from the realities of the spiritual world. He is as insensible to them as a dead man to the things of this world. He is alienated from God and utterly unable to deliver himself from this state of corruption and misery. So here we go with the good part, all right? Those, and those only, represented as delivered from this state in which men are born, 
who are renewed by the Holy Ghost, who are quickened or made alive by the power of God, and who are therefore called spiritual as governed and actuated by a higher principle than any, which belongs to our fallen nature. Those who are called, that's the good news. That, brothers and sisters, takes us to the next point. Ephesians 2, 4. Starting at 7. Open up your Bibles back to Ephesians. Pick up in verse 4. And this is the exciting part. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's the good news. All that death and enemy talk all leads to this. We couldn't do it, and he does it for us. He calls us. And this is, the, this, is the, this is the great thing. His rich mercy and his great love saved us. Nothing I did. He saved us. We, are in the previous, we see in the previous verses that we were dead and enemies to God, yet he saves us. His mercy and love combined is what place us together. He seats us in the heavenlies with him. And we are residents of heaven now, even as we await eternal, our eternal destination. So that's the exciting part right there. Like right now, we are residents of we are residents of heaven. And you ask, how is that? How are we residents of heaven? We're sitting here in this fallen world still. Well, he still has a job for us, and we'll get to that a little farther down the down the way. But we have something to look forward to, and it's it's like we're away from home, and we're heaven is our heaven is our residence. He is he has built a house for us. We see that in scripture. He has prepared a palace for us, but in the meantime, we're down here. It's like we're away, and we're going to be called home. It's not, it's not like what Mormons believe, that we came down up there and came back down here and then get to go up and do all the works. No, that's not it. He has established a house for us that we get to, and we look forward, we yearn for that. Do we? Amen? Amen. We want to go right now, right? It would, some of us more than others, I think, but... At the same time, we should be glory, glorifying him in the sense that we get to still be here and be his tools that get to disciple to someone else. And again, I'm getting far ahead of myself. We're going to get there. So our citizenship is in heaven. So in Philippians 3.20, it says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we wait a Savior, the Lord Jesus. Romans 6, 3 through 4 Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him, baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. This is what we get to do. We get to walk in the newness of life, and it's like our reservations waiting there in heaven. That's kind of how, a good way to look at it. Open up, your, open up your Bibles to Psalm 27. So as we, as we look at this and await the glory that we get to see God and be with him and raised up, um, and back up a little bit, I, I titled this next section, Exaltation of Believers by God. 
Um, so we, we look, we, okay, sorry. I'm just going to go, Brian, to Psalm 27. Starting in 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me, eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though a war rise against me, arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. There's right there. This is what we're looking forward to. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face, my heart says to you. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. We see God is our refuge, and he will lift us up. He's going to lift us up, and that's what we have the excitement for. That's, the, that's part of the good news. That's the first part of the good news. And this is what we have to look forward to. We see uh, here on this earth, the, the world, the flesh, Satan, everything we were talking about earlier, that's all going to encompass us at times. But God, we have this heavenly, we have this heavenly house to look forward to with God. Not a house I get to go live by myself in. I don't, I don't picture it's going to be like that. We're going to be in this house with God, worshiping him. We worship him now in music and, and word and prayer. One day we will get to worship him face to face and truly see who he is. And so much more is going to be revealed. And that's the excitement that we have. We must also remember that... I already said that. Sorry. <laughs> um, I got ahead of my... I keep getting ahead of myself. should follow my notes. Um, we must also remember that people will attack, especially those who don't know Jesus. And that's okay. There's going to be attacks. We know who we belong to, and we also know that those who are perishing, who are, who are perishing, to those who are perishing, the cross is folly, and that's in 1 Corinthians. We know that in this world right now, we're going to get attacked. Because now that we used to be enemies of God, now we're enemies to the world. And that's, I'd much rather be an enemy to the world than an enemy to God, though. Amen? Amen. All right. So I, 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 I mentioned earlier that I titled this, um, this section of the scripture, Exaltation of Believers by God, and I really struggled with that. Because when I looked at exaltation, we think we exalt Christ, right? We exalt God. But I started looking and reading different um, 
definitions, and it's the act of elevating someone to rank, power, or character. And we got to be very careful with this. Like I said, we do not want to exalt ourselves. We don't exalt ourselves. We do nothing of the sort. We try to. I try to. But we don't do it. God lifts us up. We must look to him in humility as he raises us up to a place that we don't belong to be is in his presence. And that's why I had exaltation of believers by God, because he did it all. In 2 Timothy 2.12 says, If we died with him, he will also, we also will live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, we will also deny us. If we faithless, he remains faithful. Um, and so as I, as I reflected on this, and uh, anyone, I know we've done the um, Passover before. Um, we've done it here at church. And, but we've been, has anyone ever actually done a full Passover and seen it like uh, a good, raise your hands. Some know? Okay. I'm not going to do the Passover. Don't worry. We're not going to be here for five hours. It's all good. Um, but in one in part of the Passover, um, we have, they have something called the Dayanu. And I'm probably saying it wrong. Am I saying it right, Scott? Dayanu? Dayanu? Okay. Dayanu. Okay. So, it, and, and what I understand is it would have been enough for us. And there's a whole passage in the Passover, a whole section of the Passover that lists out what God did for the Israelites. And um, it, it's, it, it's all part in there. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's long. It'll probably take me over. But um, oh, what the heck, why not? We're going to go as long as we want, right? We got all day. All right. So this is what they do. They, um, the person leading the Passover would read this first part, or probably some have memorized, I bet. If he had taken us out of Egypt and not made judgments on them, then everyone would respond, it would have been enough for us. Um, if he had made judgments on them and had not made them on, if he had made judgments on them and had not made them on their gods, it would have been enough for us. If he made them on their, if he had made them on their gods and had not killed their firstborn, it would have been enough for us. If he had killed their firstborn and had not given us their money, it would have been enough for us. You see where we're going with this? How the Israelites would recite this and like, if God would have just done this, that would have been enough. If he had given us, um, if he had split the sea for us and had not taken us through it on dry land, it would have been enough for us. If he had taken us through it on dry land and had not pushed down our enemies in the sea, it would have been enough for us. If he had pushed down our enemies in the sea and had not supplied our needs in the wilderness for 40 years, it would have been enough for us. If he had supplied our needs in the wilderness for 40 years and had not fed us manna, it would have been enough for us. If he had fed us the manna and had not given us the Shabbat, it would have been enough for us. If he had given us the Shabbat and had not brought us close to Mount Sinai, it would have been enough for us. If he had brought us up close to Mount Sinai, had not given us the Torah, it would have been enough for us. If he had given us the Torah and had not brought us into the land of Israel, it would have been enough for us. If he had brought us into the land of Israel and had not built us the chosen house, the temple, it would have been enough for us. 
So how does that relate to what I'm talking about here, about God lifting us up? Had God simply forgiven my sins, simply forgiven us our sins, it would have been enough, right? It would have been enough. Just not destroyed me, it would have been enough. Just told me what to do, it would have been enough. Placed his spirit in me, that would have been enough. But he did all this and then raises us up and brings us into his presence and makes a place for us, makes us known to him, makes us his children. This is what he did for us. And this is what we have to give glory to God for. And why? It's more than enough. It's more than what we deserve. He shows us his immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. So that takes us now to verse 8. Go back to Ephesians 2. Start finishing up in this passage. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So this is the hard part. Because we as fallen human creatures, what do we want to do? We want to be our own gods, right? I mean, that's what Adam and Eve, that's why they ate of the fruit. They wanted to be God. They wanted to know God. This is what we... If, if you can't say amen, you got to say ouch, right? To quote Bodhi Bakum again. Um, that's who we are. We, we want to be our own gods. We want to be the author of our own salvation, right? We're not. We can't be. We, we're incapable. Do I need to go back to the first part about being dead and enemies? <laughs> Do you want me to go back there? Okay. <laughs> so... We are chosen of God. Okay, this is a a quote from Spurgeon. We are chosen of God according to the good pleasure of his will, and this alone is blessedness. Then, since we cannot and will not come to God ourselves, he works graciously in us and attracts us powerfully. He subdues our unwillingness and removes our inability by the Almighty, workings of his transforming grace. We cannot, that's what I just said, we cannot be saved of our own accord. God is doing it. Our own works, our own accord, sorry, we cannot be saved or come to God on our own doing or of our own works or of our own accord of righteousness. We can't do it. We want to be self-righteous, right? We believe that we can, that we are too often and many believers I still say that they're believers. I'm not going to discount that or discredit that. But we want to do the works. We, want, we think that we have to work hard. We have to do this. It's of God. He's the one that changes us. Salvation is entirely the work of Jesus for God to show his grace. Nothing else. Nothing we can do. If it were, though, if it were through works, we would be boasting. And you know you all would, right? When we do something good at work or in school, Kids, what do you like to do? The ones, homeschool kids, grade school, and public school kids, regardless. When we do something really good, what do we want to do? 
tell someone, run to mom and dad, look what I did. Look what I did. I still do it. I, the dumbest little things I'm, I get excited about and people in my house are like, okay, yeah, nice, honey. So we want to boast. It's in our nature. We want to boast. So why would God allow us to work our own salvation, do our own salvation? We can't. It's, we're incapable because of our sin. We all know that those who boast in their accomplishments, in Christ, I can only boast in my works because he has ordained them. I am powerless, and without him, my works are filthy rags, garbage. Apart from God, anything I do is garbage. So what do you mean I can't do it? Isaiah 64, 6 and 7. We have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name, who who rouses himself to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hands of our iniquities. Philippians 3, 8, 9. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteous from God that depends on faith from God, not from me. One other one, Romans 10, 9 through 13. Confess with your mouth and your heart. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But we don't call on him without him calling us first. John 6, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Another one, Psalm 65, 4, blessed is, the one who, who, blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. Ezekiel eleven nineteen. God changes the heart. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit. I will put within them, I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh so that God gets the glory. In Psalm 79, 9, help us, O God, of our, of our salvation. For the glory of your name, deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. He does it. Nothing we can do. Absolutely. Again, our deeds are filthy rags or garbage. God calls us and we... And I don't know how this works. I'm not going to get, I could go for another probably couple hours and talking about it, um, but I'm not going to go there because I don't know the intricate details of how that works and that's the awesome power of God. I just know his scripture says, he calls me. I can't do it. We can't do it. And he is the one that does it. And that's what I have to put my faith in. That's where our faith comes from. God gives us the faith. Our faith, our faith is even no good without him. So, and we do this because he deserves the glory. We'll go into now Psalm 8. Let's go to Psalm 8 real quick. Open your Bibles up.
O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. When I look upon your heavens, the work of your fingers, the the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the sea, O Lord, is the majestic in your name in all the earth. All this is for God. It's all for God's glory. So now what? I'm going to call the music team up because I'm about to wrap up um, as we go into this last part. So, you can keep the lights on. It's okay. I'm not quite that done. I'm just getting them ready because last time I did this, I, like, I looked at them like, are you coming up? And they just looked at me like, I didn't know we were supposed to. So, it's, they can hang up here for I got another half hour or so. Is that good? Okay. All right. So now what? We have this good news. We have who we were. We have what God did for us and why he did it for us and who he did it for. So what do we do with it now? Do we just keep it? I'm sorry, that's me. I got to like stand really perfectly still. Now, do we just put this in a box and hide it and just keep this little gift for us and just look at it once in a while? What's the answer? No. Okay. No, we don't. We're supposed to spread this message. We're supposed to give this message to the world. So we need to go tell our lost family member, our coworker, our friend, the gospel, the good news. Why wouldn't we tell his story of the gospel? It's the truth and the only way to salvation. Why don't we do it? Why don't we do it? It's because of insecurity, maybe? Our flesh? Because, put it this way, we live in this world, and all you got to do is watch five minutes of the news and see how bad the world is, and the false gospels that are out there with uh, false gospel of politics, come on, the false gospel of LGBTQ, whatever letter you want to put on the end of it nowadays. Everyone is bombarding us with this. This is the truth, and... What our truth is, the real truth, the gospel, is, is supposed to be put away because that's offensive. What's holding us back, the gospel, it's because the gospel is offensive. First Corinthians, it's folly to the perishing. It's foolishness to the perishing. To Second Corinthians, and, <clears throat> excuse me, the, it's the aroma of death to those who are perishing. To this world, when we speak the truth of God, when we speak the truth of Christ, it stinks to them. It is death. It's who we were before. We stunk to him, right? Amen? It stinks to them, and it's, it, they don't like it. The, the, the world, those who are perishing, don't like it. So why do we back off? Why do we not say something? Why do we not spread the word? Why are we not in, in uh, if you're in school, telling those kids in school? If it's, I don't, I don't care if you're homeschoolers and you're doing your park day with your other homeschool friends, 
there's probably friends that don't know Jesus. Sorry to tell you the truth. It's true. There are some that don't know Jesus. And that's our job, boys, girls, to, tell, to speak the truth to those in our circles who are lost. I just had an example. I, I got to, it was a totally God-ordained moment to speak with a coworker at church that um, is, I won't go into a lot of details, just praying that he, he's lost, he's going to a church that he's not saved, and it's not a church that's going to save him. Um, God, through God will do it, I understand, if it's his will. Back up real quick. But just, we had a hour, two hours driving in the truck the other day down to Casa Grande. And he was telling me all about what he's doing in the church, in this church. And I got to the fear, the fear of man gets overwhelms us sometimes, correct? And I just had to pray. God, give me an opportunity. Open up this opportunity for me to share the gospel with him. And I got to, right then, as soon as I said that, he asked me, so what do you think? <laughs> so another, another hour still drive to Eloy, he got, he got the gospel and then some. But I did it in love. That's the important part. I wasn't a bully telling him, you're wrong, that's stupid, that's dumb, what are you thinking? No, I, I corrected him in love. I told him the truth. Sorry. I told him the truth in love. We're not, first of all, we're not going to do the work. We're not going to save anyone, correct? God's doing, the, God's doing the work. But how much of a disservice do we do when we try to bully someone into the, into the family of God? It doesn't work that way. Now, can God still use it? Yes, we get to plant a seed, but this is it. This is what we get to do. We get to plant a seed. We get to, with our coworker, with our school, our family members. How many, we all know we have family members who are not saved, right? And they're extended family. How bold can, and how easy is it to just sit back and not do anything? Because I know in my family it was like, you don't talk about politics or religion. Well, and I don't like talking about politics. I really don't care. But religion, Christ, not religion, Jesus is who we need to be talking about. This is what we've been called. He's called us to make disciples. He's called us to go out into this lost world and, find, and help. He finds a sheep. He directs us to them. He sends us out to his sheep to bring them back. He's doing the work, and he uses us. And amen, glory to God, we get to do that. So going forward, I'm about to close. I promise. This, I hope... And my, my prayer, my hope in this message today is that we would leave these doors going into this world, like I said, workplaces, schools, homeschools, whatever it is, professing and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ because that's the only one true gospel that's going to save anyone. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father God, you have <clears throat> done an amazing work in the lives of your people, Lord. And you did it all. I get no credit. We get no credit for your salvation because it is the free gift of grace. And you reveal it to us and, and we proclaim it. We have faith in it because you have changed our hearts. You have made this heart of stone into a heart of flesh that's able. Um, God, I pray for that you would just convict your children here, my brothers and sisters who are 
my brothers and sisters, who are your children, who are saved, that they would want and desire to go out into this world and profess your gospel, Lord. God, I pray for those who are sitting in this church right now who may not know you or just don't know you, that you would remove the scales from their eyes. Even if it's not, I pray this today, but if it's not today, that you would, you would put them in the path of someone else here to come alongside them and start speaking your truth of your gospel to them today, Lord. I pray that we go out into uh, the world, into our workforce, and profess your gospel to those who need to hear it, Lord. And that the false gospels all over the world, all over everywhere right now, that is speaking a gospel that is not yours, would shut up, would just be quiet. And that your gospel, that we would be bold and not afraid to speak your gospel because it's the only one that saves God. We know that. Take away all the fear from us. Take away the fear from man. You have, you have not put a spirit of fear inside of us, Lord. You've called us to be bold and to make disciples. And I pray that we go out here today doing just that. It's in your glorious son, Jesus' name I pray. Amen.